Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. If you've been with us the the past couple of weeks, we are doing a series on Romans. And hopefully some of you have been reading along with us. Um, Romans is such a rich theological book. And in a lot of ways, it's Paul's masterpiece of a letter describing the, the gospel to us. And over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Jana has done a wonderful job of walking us through Romans uh, 1 through 8 and just kind of highlighting different passages that that Holy Spirit has highlighted to her. And so if you, you haven't heard those messages, uh, I would recommend just go back and listen to them. But I want to take a few minutes just to add a little bit more context to Romans. And even in, in this series, I think it's so important. I think, you know, it's not normal for us to be walking through a book of the Bible, but I think it's so important for us in this time to, to fill ourselves with the Word of God and not only fill, not only read it, but study it. We need to study the Word of God in, in uh, I think it's 2 Timothy 2. We're, we're studying to show ourselves approved, a workman, right? And that's what we need to do. We need to, we need to read the Scriptures, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through them, the rhema Word of God, but we need to know the Logos Word of God, we need to study. It's okay to grab commentaries and read what scholars are saying about the word because it gives us a, a, a full perspective. We need to pursue the spirit fully. We need to per- pursue, uh, use our mind, the mind that he's given us to study the word. Paul was a perfect example of this. I don't even want to say balance because it was both of them so, so strongly you know, he, in Acts, you see all these crazy miracles he, he did, but you see the mind that he had. He was the one that God chose to reveal, you know, the practical theology of the church through all these letters, right? And we need to be like Paul. We need to understand the Word of God. We need to understand context. We need to understand um, culture that, that was being written to, and we need to understand what was being said to the original hearers or listeners to the word, and then we can apply it to our lives. So context, all these different things are important. So it's good to get other commentaries and books to study. I love to do it. And it's fun. And you you get these little interesting tidbits that help you understand what the, the author and the ultimate author God was trying to say to us. All right? So Romans, some interesting context... Scholars believe that Romans may have taken more than 11 hours for Paul to dictate it. So he didn't write it himself. He had a scribe. His name was Tertius. And it probably took him 11 hours to speak it for for the scribe to write it down. And if he had to pay for the scribe's service, it would have cost $2,275 of today. Well, $3,000 of today's money. That's my inflation joke. You guys didn't get it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but a lot of money. It spoke to the intentionality that Paul had um, in writing and crafting this letter. He didn't do it off the cuff. 
And, and, and when Paul was writing this letter, he used one of the main disciplines that was common in Greek and Roman culture, and it's called rhetoric. If you were raised in classical education, you know what rhetoric is. Um, it's how, how a politician spoke, how speeches were made in public. And this form that he uses, diatribe, where there's this dialogue that's happening where he's speaking both sides of the coin. So he's, he's, say, he's saying something that's not actually correct. And he's saying, and then he's saying, by no means, and then he gives what's correct. And so, some, sometimes you read things in Romans, you're like, what, what is he saying? I don't get that. He's, he's saying the, the opposite side of, of the argument, so then he can bring correction to it and speak the truth, right? Um, as Pastor Jaina mentioned last week, Rome was the you know, to the ends of the earth. It was the, the end of the known world at the time. And it was also the pinnacle of society, right? It, it was like maybe the New York or, or Los Angeles or both of those combined for the United States was Rome. It was the center of culture. And it's no wonder that Paul desired to go there and be with the believers and, and write this amazing letter to them because he, he understood how that could influence the world. And then this is what the last piece I want you to get is that Paul was writing to Jewish believers and Gentile believers, both parties. And there's some evidence that these two groups were at odds with one another, the, the Jewish believers, the Gentile believers, ones that were saved in Jerusalem when, when Peter did his famous speech after Pentecost, they, came, they went back to Rome, and there's these two different groups. And what Paul is trying to do through this book is actually bring unity between them. It was actually thought that they were even meeting in separate uh, house churches, and, and there's always these arguments over what conditions should the Gentiles have to meet to be saved. And so that, that's, that's, that's kind of the context of Romans. And, and just to remind you, uh, Pastor Jaina has, has used this. Romans is for, broken into four different parts. If you throw the slide up there, it should be in, in the notes. The first one is the wrath of God, or, or actually the, the opposite side of that, God's righteousness. The grace of God, from new covenant to new creation. The plan of God, God's faithfulness. So that's what we're going to focus on today. And then the will of God, how, how you live out your life in response to the gospel that we've, we've learned and, and who God is in the first three parts. So... One of our, our key verses through Romans that kind of ties a lot of pieces together is Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just that it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so we'll cover a little bit of that today, this, this righteousness and this idea that we, we hear throughout the word of God that righteousness does not come through works, but it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We're made righteous because of his righteousness. That is one of the key aspects of the gospel. So let's start with Romans 9. And remember, we're talking about God's faithfulness and his sovereignty. And these are sometimes hard chapters to, to look at. So Romans 9, 1 through 5, I'm going to read kind of fast. 
I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. So if you remember at the end of chapter 8, we were talking about there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Paul is shifting here, and now he's going to start talking about... Um, He's going to start talking about the jewel, Jews and their unfaithfulness and contrast that to God's faithfulness. And he's lamenting here. These, he's like, these, I, he is a Jew and he's, he's sad. He's, he's in anguish over his people who have rejected Jesus and he longs to see them saved. And it's this missional heart that we get of Paul. And, and, and we'll see that a little bit more throughout the text. If we jump down to verse 14... I'll just read a little bit of this. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. And so that's that rhetoric again. He, in the preceding verses, he's like, oh, God did this and this and this, but is God unjust? Not at all. He's, he's merciful. He's compassionate. That is rhetoric. That is God. That is Paul saying, this is who God is. Some of you might remember Exodus 34. I actually shared it in our email this, this week, where God made his nature known to Moses, that he was compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And Paul is reaffirming that in this passage. And, and verse 18, sometimes I think is a hard one for people. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. He hardens whom he wants to harden. I want to submit to you. I was thinking about this. I think he only hardens what has already been hard. We see that Pharaoh had a hard heart, and so God knew he allowed his heart to be hardened more so that his glory, the glory of God, the power of God could be demonstrated to the nations of the earth at that time. The, it became a spectacle, the exodus from Egypt when the Israelites were freed. This is God, and he loves these people. The, the nations feared the Israelites because of that. His goodness was revealed through that. He also... This was showing his faithfulness because he made a promise to Abraham earlier in Genesis and said, you know, the, I'm going to create a great nation out of you. I, it, it'll be as the multitudes, the, the stars in the sky, the, the sands in, on the seashore. And he was faithful to his promise. And maybe you think about the Exodus story as I was, and, and it's like, what about <laughs> these children that died, these, all these things that died? Like, why does is, why is God do that? What kind of God would do that? And I could give you, you know, there's the answer. You know, sin entered the world through, through Adam and Eve's 
disobedience and, and that is part of it. But all I can do is I can look at and I look at that and say, all I know is he sent his son Jesus where one died for many. And that is the end of the story. And everything that I look at in the word of God has to be through the lens of Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us. In that situation in Egypt, many died for the sins of one, Pharaoh. But Jesus, one, has died for the sins of many. Amen? God is sovereign. God is just. And we don't always understand. He, you know, in this passage, it talks about, it quotes Jeremiah talking about him being the potter and us the clay. We don't understand what he's doing all the time or why he's doing it, but he is trustworthy. I can tell you that. He is merciful and gracious, and he always gives us a chance. So going down, verses 22 through 29, we see now that the, his mercy is not only extended to the Israelites, the Jewish people, but also to the, the Gentiles. And finally, chapter 9 closes talking about Israel's unbelief and their unfaithfulness to the law because they didn't understand that righteousness was not through works, but through faith. And this theme, as I just mentioned in, in Romans 1, is, is reinforced. And it's, it's, it's like the basic tenet of our, our Christian faith that, that it's not by works that we are saved, but it's, but it's through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the very gift of God. And Christ become, became the stumbling stone to the Israelites because they couldn't accept that. In the beginning of chapter 10, again, uh, I'm not going to read through this. In verses 1 through 4, we have Paul again saying <laughs> he wants his people to be saved. And they didn't submit to his righteousness but in verse 4, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. You know, Jesus himself said he was the fulfillment of the law, the prophets, and the Psalms in Luke 24. He, is, he was the, the, the goal, the telos, the telos in Greek. He was the, the end goal of the word that they had at that time. There were 613 laws that God gave to the Israelites is the, the rules for their relationship, the covenant that he made with them. And Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of everyone. And we can, we can, we don't just throw away the law. We, it's actually fulfilled in us through Jesus Christ. The law pointed to Jesus and he summed them up in the big two. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go down to verse 8. This is where I want to focus on. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 
For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how then can they believe in the one whom, of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The gospel. So Paul again is, you know, all... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's, he's reinforcing this, that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. It was actually from the beginning, God desired for all mankind to be saved. Even in, in Genesis, where we see, you know, the Tower of Babel and all that, all these nations that were together got separated because of sin. But the original intent was for them all to be, get, be together under God. And that theme is echoing throughout Scripture that he wants all mankind to be saved. In him, there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no ethnic barriers. There's no barriers between genders. All mankind, all humankind is to be saved. That is his heart for us. It's the simple gospel. You know, this passage gives us such a simplicity to the gospel. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's, that he's raised from the dead, from, from the Father. It's simple. And sometimes we put so many conditions on the gospel. We're just like the Pharisees and we expect all these rules and, and laws to be followed. But I can tell you that if there is a true born-again experience, there's a true being saved, the fruit will start to come. The fruit of true salvation will show itself in right behavior. We're not to force that on people. All we are to do is lead them to Jesus. Lead them to Jesus, and it's their faith that allows them to re attain righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's an amazing mystery, and it's the beauty of the gospel. And so he can take anyone, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It could be the worst sinner you know. I sometimes think of, like, through history, sometimes I think of Adolf Hitler. I'm like, oh, man, he was a bad, bad man, but he could have been saved. Or you think about the most powerful people in the world today that, that have it all and they don't think they need anything. Elon Musk comes to mind when I think about that. He can be saved. They can all be saved. Your neighbor can be saved. The person down the street that, that you see treating their family poorly, the, 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 the people just steeped in sin in your, in your um, schools, in your workplaces, they can all be saved. No one is beyond the love and the grace of God. So what our response has to be to tell the world. They are not going to know. This, this passage is saying, no one's going to know who Jesus is unless we tell them. And we need to tell them. He was not just a good man. He is God and he died for us. No other religion has that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. 
He wants to save them. He wants to heal them. He wants to deliver them. He wants to make them citizens of a new kingdom. He wants to make them a new creation. He wants to give them the precious Holy Spirit. They need to know. Let the world know that is your mission. You are sent. How beautiful are your feet when you bring good news, the gospel, to those who need to hear. We're going to jump into chapter 11 for a little bit. Here Paul introduces to us the concept of a remnant. God loves to work through remnants like a a small group of people. Verse 5, in the same way, there's also come to be at a present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. A remnant is this important biblical concept. Paul refers to a remnant who did not bow to Baal in Elijah's day. God preserved a remnant of Israelites when they were in exile in Babylon, whom later rebuilt Jerusalem, the, the temple and the walls. And it's, it's reinforced again that this remnant is by grace and not by works. I believe that he is a remnant here in Burning Hearts Church in, in Fargo-Moorhead in, in United States that's going to bring the gospel to the rest. The remnant serves to, to actually provoke others to jealousy so that they can be saved. Just like Paul is talking about here, the, the Gentiles were, were, were a remnant that was provoking the Jews so that they could be, uh, they could be saved through the work of Jesus Christ. Romans 11, 17 through 24. Paul is talking to the Gentile believers here, just saying, hey, respect the Israelites, the firstborn, the root of the olive tree. He makes this, this, uh, you know, this picture of this, this wild olive tree and, and branches being grafted in. And we, the Gentile, are the, the wild branches grafted into the, to the, the cultivated olive tree. And they can be cut off just as easy as the originals. But how glorious will it be when all the branches are regrafted together? That is the unity that Paul is trying to speak to and bring through this letter to the Romans. How glorious will it be when we're all in unity under Jesus Christ? How glorious will it be when we're all in unity in this city, in this nation, under Jesus Christ? We should never look down... This is an application from this little passage. We should never look down on those who are not saved. Our heart should break for them, should have compassion for them. And we should never think we're more than someone else because we have Jesus Christ. Chapter 11 ends with a beautiful conclusion, just talking about the nature of God and his, his ways, his plan, how brilliant he is. Oh, the depth and the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For he has known the mind of, Lord, of the Lord who, who has become his counselor. Who has known the mind of the Lord who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul wraps up this section. He's talking about the brilliance, the omniscience of God. He knows all things, and his ways are higher than our ways. His plan, though we don't always understand it, is perfect, and it's good. His plan never contradicts his character and nature. His justice, he is, he is just, he is justice, but his mercy and his grace are ever on display. He made a plan for all to be saved through Jesus Christ. There is no greater mercy or grace than that. We serve a trustworthy God. He's full of compassion and grace. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He sent his only son, Jesus, for us so that we could have eternal life, salvation, healing, deliverance, and wholeness in him. Amen? Amen. I'm out of time, but your homework, if you choose to receive it, is, is read chapter 12, especially verses 3 through 21, and do it. Church would be beautiful if we did, if we did that. Romans 12 is such a, I mean, there's a, the, the verse in there that talks about honoring others above yourself. If we all actually truly honored one another within the body of Christ, if we exercise our gifts, the ones that we were given in proportion to our faith, if we, if we all stepped into who we are in the body of Christ, it would be amazing. So do that. <laughs> all right, let's stand up. I want to pray over a few things. Chris, if you want to come play keys or whomever. Thank you, Jesus. On my heart this morning as I was driving in and just praying, just asking the Lord what he wanted to do, some things he wanted us to pray for, one of the things that I felt led to pray for was, was just over finances. And uh, as Kevin was sharing, all of it is his. The financial systems of this world, he's above all of them. But I know for some people, it's really difficult right now. It's really, really hard. People are having to make decisions between you know, different things just so they can have food, just, just so they can have gas to get to their jobs, all of those things, and, it, and it's difficult. And so I just want to pray that God the provider would, would make a way. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, I just ask for those in this room who are in lack, who are in need of provision, God, that you would provide. Your word says that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and that there is no lack in the kingdom of God. And when the church got together, all of their needs were met. There was no lack among them.
And so, Father, I pray for those in this room that need financial provision that you provided in the name of Jesus. I, I, I pray for those who, who need jobs or, or they need a, a raise. God, that you would do it, that you would make a way, that you would bring favor on your people today in Jesus' name. I pray that they would get unexpected checks or they would get unexpected refunds. Lord, I pray that you would even lay it on the hearts of people in this room to give where they see need in, in, in their body, in this body, in this family, Burning Hearts Church. God, those that have an abundance, that they would be moved with compassion. So God, meet your people's needs. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I pray for those who have been wounded. We prayed for it earlier, but those who have been wounded, especially by fathers or father figures or authority figures in their life. Lord, I ask that you bring healing right now in Jesus' name. Where fathers were supposed to cover and protect and they felt unprotected. God, I pray that you heal that in Jesus' name and that you would let them know that they are protected and they are covered by you. Where fathers were su supposed to speak identity into their lives and all, they f all that was spoken was, was words of condemnation or words of silence even, just silence, God. I pray that they would know their true identity in Jesus Christ and with you as the Father, that they are joint heirs, they're co-heirs with Christ Jesus and that they are royalty, that they are, are kings and queens and, and priests, a royal priesthood. Thank you, Jesus. And for those that, maybe even as children, where their fathers weren't in the picture or their fathers left and they've actually taken on the blame for that, God, I pray that that would be healed right now in Jesus' name. That you would take away shame and condemnation in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I pray for freedom right now in this place. If that's you, there's freedom for you right now in Jesus' name. And I pray that there would be an overwhelming love of the Father, that agape, that Father love pouring out on your people right now in Jesus' name. And that the Spirit within us would cry, Abba, Father and know that you are a good father. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I just pray for any in this room who don't know Jesus Christ, but encountered him and want to know him, want to have relationship with him. Romans gave us the way. All you need to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, that the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Do that. Surrender your life to him and tell someone about it. Tell someone about it. Your, your moment is right now. I don't even want to lead you through a prayer. Your moment is right now. Thank you.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com.